Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. we got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about first date red flags. This is applicable to everybody because, as always, whether or not you are dating, going on first dates, maybe you are solely solo, meaning someone who doesn't uh, want or step into relationships. Maybe you are married. Maybe you're in an exclusive relationship. Maybe you're poly open. Who knows? But I'm going to always round that topic out for everyone. Um, but for those that are entering the dating world and going on first dates. And again, remember this is for everyone, but that's my entry point. You're gonna have to go on a lot of dates and maybe for listeners, if this doesn't relate to you as though, although it will, you can maybe apply some of this um, and and then also share some of it with your friends. But uh, it's a journey y'all. I remind clients that who are entering it for the first time after many years, after a breakup, after a marriage, after a widow, getting widowed. I'd say y'all are signing up for a very chaotic journey, but we can learn a lot about ourselves. And at this point, we have a lot of really good research as to how to best navigate it to try to make it easier. But I tell people, put on your helmets, put on your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy ride. (laughs) Please stow all your things in the overhead cabin and please lock your tray and put your seat upright because uh, it's going to be bumpy. It's going to be very bumpy. It doesn't have to be that way, though, which is why I always advocate for everyone trying to make the relational and dating world easier, softer, kinder. Don't be a part of someone's trauma story. Leave things better off than when you found them, which is what we talk about when someone goes hiking, camping, or to the beach. Leave it better. Don't leave it worse, which is heartbreaking when I'm hiking or at the beach and I see trash laying all over. That is our ego. I also think it's frustrating when I see people get up from a cafe that doesn't have table service and they just leave their stuff sitting there. We just don't take responsibility for ourselves and the impact we leave on the world and on others. It's quite heartbreaking. So uh, pick up your garbage. Don't throw your cigarettes on the ground. They are not biodegradable. You are littering and you are being gross. And please clear your table when you're done so someone else doesn't have to sit there. And the people that are servers who are already taxed enough and burn out and stressful, because that is quite a difficult job, they shouldn't be having to clean up after you. Now, back to the dating story. Don't make it harder. Don't be one of those people that's making it more toxic, more frustrating, more disappointing. Some people are, they're, they're on their last leg. They're giving it their, their best shot. Um, you don't know what trauma people have been through. So let's make it easier on everyone. Okay. So when you're entering the dating world, y'all, it's going to be a journey. So don't expect it to happen quick and easy. I tell people that it takes time. I don't know where we got the idea that you should open your phone, go on an app or go on a date or two, and you should just find the most amazing compatible available person. It doesn't work like that. 
but nothing does. You have to peruse a menu before you find something you like. You have to house hunt for a while. You have to send out many job applications. When you go shopping, you can't count on going to one store in the first store you go to and assuming they're gonna have something or the right thing you want or in the right size. Nothing works like that. Just the, very, just the word shopping itself implies that. Shopping is an ongoing process of hunting something down. So we just want to round that out. We, we, we don't quite always um, enter the relational world understanding that. Okay, but the point of tonight's show is there are some things you can really acknowledge from the front that gives you a little bit less time in the process, thereby saving you some time, energy, and heartbreak. Uh, one of the first things is um, boundaries. You know, even people that are in longer-term relationships, I say, hey, here's the key things you want to be making sure you are nailing, A-plusing, because these are part of just being a good partner, a good friend, maintaining a long, happy relationship. But again, more importantly from the front end, is this person good with boundaries? Boundary work. Oh yeah, it tells us everything. And this is, this. look, everything matters. Everything counts. It's not like, oh, we were only on the app. It didn't count yet. We never went on a date. Uh, yeah, it does, bro. Or, oh, it was only first date. I didn't really know you. Up, oh, still counts. So remember, the thing about boundaries is there's two things that I always want people to remember. And I'm going to try to remember to hit both of them. First point with boundary work is that until we set a boundary, we can't necessarily determine how good someone is with boundaries. Because when we talk about having good boundaries, we really, we really mean your or someone else's ability to deal with someone setting a boundary with you. We all enter the world with different ideas as to what's okay and what's acceptable. It's not about right or wrong. It's about when a human being tells you you're doing something that makes them uncomfortable or makes them feel bad, everything you do and say next determines whether or not you're healthy enough to be in their life or in anyone else's. Boundary work is not about do we already have the same the same boundaries in place. It's again, what do they do when I set them? Which is why I tell people set a boundary as soon as possible. As soon as possible, try to determine what is this person like when you tell them no. <laughs> when you say, that's not who I am, that's not what I like, that's not comfortable for me, that's not what I want. So let's look at some examples. I thought this was actually really great. I like when there's examples of um, uh, some that might actually rele be relevant to coming up immediately. Um, you say you don't want another drink. Ooh. Um, you say, you know, it's time for me to go. I got a call tonight. Oh, you maybe do or don't give them a kiss, but don't want to go any further. When you say, oh, it's time to go, or I'm done drinking, or that's all I'm comfortable doing, everything you or this other says and does after that is demonstrating whether or not you should be seen again. That matters. That is the foundation of mental health. That is the foundation of safety and relational health. So every time someone tells you no, what you do, you don't push on that. You don't challenge it. You don't try to convince. That is you showing poor boundaries. Because again, it's really about what you do in a boundary is set with you. All right, we're going to go back and talk more about this. We're talking about um, dating red flags, but again, it's all really relational health. Stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And we're just talking about, you know, early relational red flags, but really just talking generally about mental health, as we always are in relational health. And we're just talking about boundaries. And I wanted to make two really important points about boundaries. First, rounded out contextualizing statement is everything someone does in response to us saying, no, thank you, I'm finished, time to go, whatever it is that we're setting a boundary around determines whether or not they're healthy to stay in our lives. And the inverse as well, you, listener, when someone sets a boundary with you, everything you say and do, do you try to knock it down? Do you try to convince them? Do you try to talk them out of it? Do you shame them? That is you not having good boundaries. Again, boundaries are really about how we respond to the needs of another person. So we are both understanding our impact on others. But then the other piece I always point out is that we actually have two boundaries. We have one that protects us from other people, but then we also have one that protects other people from us. And that is the one that a lot of people aren't aware of, don't focus on and aren't great with. Are you protecting other people from you? That's, it's, that's such an important concept. Um, and we wanna think in those terms. So let's use an example. We'll personalize it, I'll make it about me. If I've had a hard day, and I know I'm cranky, and I know I have a short fuse, I need to protect other people from that. It's not okay for me to storm into the coffee shop and be rude to the barista and be rude to the person who's not you know, ordering fast enough. That is me having a bad boundary. That means I have to be aware of how I'm impacting other people, and I set a boundary with myself that protects others from me. So I stay quiet. I keep my mouth closed. Maybe I stay home. Listen, with dating and parties and events, if I know I'm not in the right mental state to be out in the world, I stay the heck home. Or I'm very thoughtful about what I'm saying and who I'm engaging. But there are times when maybe you realize I'm not safe to be out in the world. And that's a good boundary where you say, I can't protect other people from me. I'm too tired. I'm too worn out. I'm too cranky. And you leave or you stay home or you stay quiet or whatever it is. That is you honoring that other boundary. So again, boundaries are one of them, which is on the outside, protects us from other people. Sorry, you can't talk to me like that. I'm sorry, I'm finished drinking or whatever it is. And then there's an internal boundary which protects other people from us, that we're not just leaking all over the place. If you're in a bad mood, stay the heck home. If you're in a bad mood, keep your mouth closed. If you're in a bad mood, go eat lunch alone. You don't have a right to just let it rip and leak all over the place and somehow think that that's okay. And, and you say, well, I was in a bad mood. Then you should have had enough self-awareness to realize you shouldn't have gone on that date or you shouldn't have gone to that party or whatever it might've been. You needed a nap then. <laughs> but we have to have self-awareness. And that's why boundary work, again, is about us understanding how others are impacting us and how we're impacting them. It goes both ways. But a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people also don't realize that boundaries aren't about telling other people what they can or cannot do. That's 
inappropriate. You don't get to tell other adults what they can or can't do. Boundaries is saying what you will or won't do. You can't say to someone, you have to stop drinking, but you can say, I won't have a romantic relationship with someone that problematically drinks. So let me know what you're going to do. And if you continue to drink, I'm going to exit. You talk about what you're going to do. But if you're telling other people what to do, that is inappropriate. You can't set rules like that. And I see this happen even in marriages. You don't have a right to tell your partner who's a grown ass adult how they can move through the world. But you have a right to define yourself and say what you're willing to be a part of and what you're willing to not be a part of. We'll do a whole show on that at another time and we have in the past. But I just kind of needed to throw that caveat out there. All right, let's move on to the next point because, again, the main topic for tonight is red flags on a first date. But, again, I'm extending this well beyond that. Every topic I talk about, we use an entry point. This is red flags on a first date, but it's always a globalized thing where everyone can kind of apply this. The second one is being rude. <laughs> I love that. Um, I have so many stories about that, unfortunately, where going out to dinner with a friend, going out on a date. And um, this kind of reflects back to the point we we're making earlier about having two boundaries, one of them being an internal one that protects other people from you. Dear God, I don't care what kind of day you had. I don't care what the server, bartender, or whoever might have, whatever they might have done. You are in a position of power. They work there. They are there because they need money to pay their bills. You being rude to them and making a power play is threatening them getting their basic needs met. So there's something just gross in that. Anyone who's ever rude to someone who's on their at their job in that moment is so gross to me. You know, and it, jobs like that are hard service positions. And whenever a service worker, listen, it's never okay to be rude to anyone, but I'll tell you my ethics. And whether or not you all agree with this, that's cool. Don't really care. But this is what I do. If I'm at a restaurant or I'm in a store and the employee is a little rude, my first thought is, wow, this is a tough job. They must have had a hard day. I don't want to make it harder. So it's not that their rudeness might be acceptable. It's that I'm in a position of power. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to take advantage of that. And I know that, you know, most people are only harsh when they're struggling. And so I don't make it harder. And I don't really want to talk so much about them. I want to talk about us as the people on the date in the restaurant. To take advantage of that power dynamic is problematic. But more importantly, remember, you're always marketing yourself. And if you're on a date or even with a friend, come from your best. And if someone on a date isn't able to do that, knowing that they're on a date, knowing that they're trying to court you, then I'm worried about what they'll do when they're more confident and comfortable down the road. There, It is not a sign of power to raise your voice or to get violent. That's a sign of weakness. You are showing, I don't know how to get my needs met without getting violent. It's saying, I... I'm dysregulated. That's what that's saying. I'm dysregulated. That's dysregulation. Power is shown by someone regulating themselves, take, acknowledging all the choices, and taking correct action. And a lot of people don't do that. But again, on an initial date, if someone isn't even able to hold it together, then I am so worried about what's going to happen down the road because everything is diagnostic. If you are paying attention, people are showing you who they are every step of the way by Everything they're saying, everything they're doing, they're showing you their ethics, they're showing you their value system, they're showing you how mentally healthy they are, they're showing you whether or not they respect others, and they will be treating you that way at some point, which is the final landing takeaway message. It's bad enough that they're doing that on the date, but at some point they will do that to you as well because they're showing you who they are. Be aware of that as the person yourself, 
who's being monitored, but also be aware of that when you're on a date with someone. But again, apply that to everyone out in the world. I know I don't want to spend time around people that think that that's an acceptable way to deal with a difficult situation. All right, we're going to come back, talk more about this, and then later we'll be doing some DMs. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. So don't go anywhere. All right, we are back and uh, we're talking about red flags on a first date that I think are applicable well beyond. This applies to everyone, anywhere, everywhere, because this is just human nature. This is us always demonstrating who we are and how healthy we are. And it matters. Look, one of the goals I always have for myself is I want to be aware of how I'm impacting other people, but I also want to be aware of how the people I'm spending time around are impacting me and how we treat others demonstrates that because how people treat others, how people talk about others is them showing you how they probably will treat or talk about you at some point. So we're talking about um, looking at boundaries. We're talking about not being rude to others. And again, these are red flags on a first date. This is applicable to everyone anywhere. Another one is how they talk about their exes. I've talked about this so many times on the show with, with on different topics that that is such a powerful thing. You wanna learn a lot about someone's relational health, find out how their last relationship or how a lot of their relationships ended and how they now perceive and relate to that person. Because healthy people leave relationships when it's time to go. They leave it lovingly so that damage isn't done and so that they can still maybe have some kind of relationship with that person. But if the person has something negative to say about every single person they've ever dated, that's a red flag about them. Not the people they've dated, but them. Because they keep choosing those people. Because they keep staying a part of those dynamics. Because they leave problematically. So I always want to know, how did your last relationship end? And I want to hear them tell me some adult, high-functioning version as to them saying, you know, we tried it. It really didn't work. We realized we weren't a match. And so we decided to part ways. That's what it should sound like. But when they're name-calling and saying they're crazy and they did this and all that, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm hearing about you as well. So they refer to their exes as crazy? And again, I'm not saying first date should be a discussion about past relationships. I actually think that's a bad idea. I think the first couple of dates should just be focusing on fun, joy, pleasure, time together. I don't think we should be dropping into those deeper levels yet. I think that's something we work towards and people earn the right to. And that's also a conversation about boundaries. Hold some of those boundaries. We shouldn't be leaking like that. But when that time comes, if this person is talking about their ex in completely disparaging problematic ways and you see that that's a pattern and they don't take any accountability, there's no self-reflection, yikes. And at some point they're going to talk about you that way because they're showing you who they are. So that's a learning lesson for all of us. Be thoughtful. Reflect, take accountability because healthy people are listening for that. They're looking to see if you take responsibility for your part in creating that. If you've learned from your past relationships, if you can say, yeah, but you know what I took away from that or you know what my part is or what I don't feel great about, bam, that's a good sign. But if they're just like, yeah, it was always them and I'm gonna call them a bunch of horrible names, run. That is someone, again, who doesn't self-reflect, takes no accountability, narcissistic, very unsafe. So. I like when those relationship conversations come up because the way someone frames it, labels it, enters it is important. Um, and then you can just generalize that. How, you know, how do they how do they globally talk about the people in their lives? And I'm not saying it's not okay to have an issue with someone. I'm not saying that we aren't sometimes the victim of someone else's behavior. Of course, sometimes you are totally victimized, and the person was toxic or abusive. That happens, but we can tell. 
there's a healthy version of someone saying, you know what? That was a very unhealthy relationship for me. My partner wasn't ready to be someone's partner. And so I exited it. That's also the healthy way that someone would frame that. So, so listen, because again, like I said, if you listen sensitively enough, you can really get a characterological profile of how healthy this person is based on how they're framing and moving through the world. And, um, how we talk about historical events really helps you understand the possibility of what's coming in the future. Past events help us really understand what's possible for the future. The most confident thing we can really rely on because it has happened. And so that's more likely than anything else. But of course, people do grow and change. So anyway, it's a long-winded way to say all that. Um, because I think that's the problem is in early dating, people just focus on chemistry. And if they think someone's hot enough or the sex is good enough, they don't really take time to assess. Yeah, that's all great. And that's all important and, and enjoy that and seek that. But what are they like relationally? What are they like outside of all that? What is their relational functioning like? Cause that's what I really want to know. What are they like with boundaries? What are they like during times of conflict? Like those are the pieces that matter the most to me. What are their communication skills like? Are they willing to be vulnerable? Do they share a difficulty that's going on? Um, do they stick around through difficult times? Like that's the stuff that really determines the health of a relationship. Are they a good partner? Because you're going to be forming a unit with them. What are they like in difficult times? What are they like around emotionality? What are they like when you have a critique to share or you have a complaint? Those are the things that determine what it's going to be like to be with them. And uh, unfortunately, we ignore that, we delay that, or we don't make enough meaning out of that. And we amp up all the other stuff. So anyway, that's all important stuff. People will show you who they are from the door. Um, okay, we're gonna come back and we're gonna do some DMs. Um, and then we're gonna get back to talking about some of these early relationship red flags. Um, I talk a lot about red flags, but again, we can see it coming, we protect ourselves. Uh, but we're gonna come back to some DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into. And as always, past episodes of the show, because it's all about that unlearning and relearning repetition, that's over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen and share. Otherwise, sit tight, because we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline. With Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. These DMs come from our Loveline IG page. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, is there such a thing as friend burnout? I love this. I've tried to talk about I'll talk about it again. I like to recycle topics because it keeps it fresh of mind, reminds us, builds it in. That's why you often hear me hitting the same things over and over. Um, friend burnout. That's when I did a show a while back on how to break up with a friend. We're going to have to cover that. I've talked about how to break up with a partner, um, how, to, how to get over being broken up with and we've talked about how to do that with a friend but we'll hit that again um you said my best friend is in the most toxic relationship and it's starting to drain me i still want to be there for her but every piece of advice i give her she doesn't listen to or makes excuses i feel like my energy is gone um that means you are you are too involved um if you're overwhelmed by what your friend's going through you're you're too fused you're too involved you're over engaged that's what's happening to your friend I say that to my interns. If you are getting burned out by your client's material, it's because you're sponging it. You are too invested. So you have to work on having better boundaries. Um, your partner's struggle, I'm sorry, your friend's struggles shouldn't be so draining for you. Be less involved. Uh, I say this lovingly, care less. You're holding on too tight. And it's not your friend's job to move through the world in a way that makes it more comfortable for you. So you're too involved. Let go. 
let go. Um, you shouldn't cut this friend out. And again, this is your boundary issue. If you're burned out by something, you have a problematic boundary with something. If work is burning you out, set boundaries with work, work less, cut back on your work hours, focus more on when you're not at work, not being thinking, not thinking about work, which takes you back to work. You have to do the friend version of that. When, take time away from your friend lovingly. Go do other things in the world and stop ruminating about it. And then when you're with your friend, you can lovingly say, hey, um, I don't really want to do a lot of relational processing. Tell me what else is going on in your life, which is a loving way to help redirect your friend or remind your friend that they have a, a life and an identity far outside of what's going on in the relationship. It's very easy. And most people will, when things are chaotic, they'll ruminate. And that's, our, that's, a, that's a faulty appraisal. And they think that their brain is telling them we have to keep trying to figure this out. And they actually need time away from that because they're burnt out as well. So you can be a good friend by distracting them and soothing them by changing the topic. But this, you have to remind yourself, this isn't your life. This shouldn't be hitting you so heavily. You're too involved. So when you're not with your friend, you shouldn't be thinking about your friend's stuff or talking about it. You should be participating in your life. And then, like I said, set a boundary around how much of this information you're engaging in. But I also think you care too much. Stop giving advice. Just listen, just listen, be a mirror and reflect back to your friend, care, love and support and stop being a sponge and taking it in. It's not your friend's job to take your advice. I don't know that you know better. And this is where your friend's at. And we have different attachment um, styles and different traumas. And some people will stay engaged beyond what people are comfortable with. We have to stay with them anyway. We don't kick people out of our lives because they're struggling with depression or drug and alcohol use. We have to actually be more present. So again, this is your work. You have to set a better boundary. So again, just listen to your friend. Your friend doesn't want or need advice. Your friend just needs a place to process. Lovingly listen. And then when you exit, you exit but you have to let go. You're too involved. That's what the problem is. And I feel bad because when people are too involved, they tend to think that the issue is the other. And we think that our job is to give advice. And if they don't take it, there's something wrong. Again, I say this supportively and lovingly. I don't know that you know what's best for your friend and you don't want to pretend like you do. So just be supportive and just listen. And I want that to be something that everyone should take away. When people in our lives are struggling, we have this thing called empathy. And I appreciate that we are impacted by what's happening in their lives. But this is where it's boundary work, psychologically speaking and emotionally. You have to remind yourself, this isn't happening to me. I shouldn't be reacting as though it is. And I want it, this is you speaking. I want to, you want to be able to be in the world without being so disrupted by everything. So you have to work on your own regulation. You have to work on your own boundaries. You have to work on becoming a little bit of a larger container and being able to really um, deal with more. And that's the work in psychotherapy. How do we learn how to hold more? How do we learn how to be anchored in the face of dysregulation? Not how do we shove everything dysregulating away from us? That shrinks our world down. Anyone in your life is going to be struggling with things at times. And you have to be able to have a healthy detachment and a healthy distance from it. So don't cut your friend out. Do that work. It's necessary and important. And you'll all benefit from it. And so will your other relationships because you can apply that to others. All right, y'all. If you've got a question or topic for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of the show is always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. We'll be back, though, talking a little bit more. Y'all, so uh, don't go anywhere. Join us. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we're back and we're talking about first date red flags, but honestly, oh, this is just relationship 101. 
So we're really just learning about ourselves and other people because if you pay enough attention, you'll see all this stuff from the door. People are constantly telling you who they are if you know what to look for and how to listen. So we're talking about the boundary thing. I think that's awesome. We learn a lot about people when we start to set a boundary. So set a boundary as soon as possible. Um, we also pay attention to how they treat those around us because at some point that's how they're going to be treating us. And again, we want to self-reflect. So what are your boundaries like? How are you treating people? Also, how do they talk about exes and people from their past? Is it done in a way that implies they themselves take some accountability and they self-reflect and they learn and they grow? Or is it always just harsh and it's always other people? Because if so, yikes. Um, I Okay. Um, I thought this one's interesting. Because <laughs> again, this is first date red flags. They frequently check their phone or take calls. Ooh. Yes, urgent things happen. Of course, I always tell people if you if you perceive or assume or expect that to have to happen, tell someone ahead of time. It'll make it come off better if you're like, hey, listen, I want to just give you a heads up. I am expecting an important phone call, so I'm going to be looking down at my phone often. I might need to even step away at some point. Bam, you framed it. I call it framing it. Frame whatever you need to frame. Give people a heads up so they don't make their own meaning out of it. Because otherwise, if you're constantly looking down, my God, what a communication that, that whatever's on your phone is way, way more important to you than, than they are. So be aware of your phone use. It's become way too normalized, and it's an intimacy buffer. Intimacy buffers are all those things that prevent us from staying connected or getting connected to someone. Um, television can be one, the computer, all sorts of stuff. That's why I'm a big fan of um, putting your phone away. And then it takes a lot. Then you're not going to be distracted by if it's in your pocket sitting next to you, left in your car, you can stack them on the end of the table. But when you have it near you and it's facing up and it's readily available, a problem. So that's why I say flip it, flip it upside down, put it in your pocket, turn it off, do whatever you need to do so that you're not able to access it and actually takes time and thought to grab it because you're trying to stay present with the person in front of you. Um, so again, unless it's an urgent situation, always put people first. It shouldn't be you just randomly looking at it. And I, and I remember people doing that with the iPhone watch where they somehow thought that well that's different well no you're still breaking contact and you're constantly looking down and you're registering what you're reading so whether you're picking up your phone or you're looking at your watch you're still breaking contact and you're still prioritizing whatever you think might be coming in over the person you're sitting there talking to that's rude and that's anti-relational so don't do that um, that's why I'm not a fan of the Apple watches in that respect it's it makes it even easier for you to be more distracted and disconnected um, it's not as seamless as people seem to think it is. So be aware of other people doing that and also be aware of you doing that. This is an issue that comes up with a lot of couples. That's why I tell some of them, when you get home from work, just be done with your phone. And if you're gonna be on your phone, tell your partner, hey, I'm gonna just be on my phone for a little while and then we can watch that movie. Frame it, always tell them what you're about to do. It gives you permission to do it and it lets them know that there's a consciousness to that. I also say to some clients, um, plug it in in the corner and go use it in the corner so that you have to actually intentionally walk over, do whatever you need to do, and then you come back. Because again, having it sitting there allows us to just grab for it. I also talk about the fact that we should be doing one thing at a time. If you're watching a movie, just watch the movie. If you're on your phone, just be on your phone. And if you need to go on your phone, pause the movie, go on your phone when you're done, put it down and go back to the movie. We are getting too comfortable transitioning back and forth, back and forth between all the stimuli, thereby never giving us complete presence with anything. 
Not that there's anything wrong with scrolling while the movie's playing in the background, but I don't like people getting in the habit of multitasking, which is a flawed concept. We can't hold that many things with direct attention at the same time. And I want us to be more present with the people that we're in relationship with, friends, family members, whatever it is. If you need to be on your phone, give them the heads up. If you need to be on your phone, say, give me a moment, I'll be right back and step aside and do it. But we're not, we're not combining it all in anymore. Nothing breaks my heart more than seeing friends, family members, whatever it is, out at dinner, lunch, or coffee, and they're all just sitting there in silence on their phones. Why are you even there together? Go home and do that. If you're going to be there, flip your phones under and connect. Connect. We are losing our abilities to connect. So that phone thing is huge. Um, here's another one. When someone talks about themselves the whole time, is your date talking at you or with you? When someone's talking at you, they're talking about themselves. Remember, good dates are when the person left feeling as though they got to talk about themselves. Ask your date questions. There's nothing lonelier than being with people but feeling as though you're not being seen or you're not valued. And I apply that again to friends. I apply that to family members. I tell that to partners that are kind of losing connection with each other. I say, track things, ask questions, and then follow up on them. That's how you let someone know I'm in your life, I wanna be a part of your life, ask and follow up. I've even said that to parents, especially fathers. Do you know your kids' friends' names? Do you know who your wife's coworkers or friends are? Why are you not a part of people's lives? I don't care what you're doing, I don't care who you are, I don't care how much you're working, I don't care what's going on. You should be present in the people that are important to you's lives. And if you don't know the basic answers to certain questions, what are your kids' hobbies, what are your partner's friends' names, then you're not staying connected enough. You're not participating fully enough. Focus on that. All right, we're gonna come back, we're gonna talk more about um, relational health, but it's more red flags on a first date, essentially, that's the entry point. And then we'll be doing some more DMs, so stick around, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back. And, you know, we're using the entry point of dating red flags on a first date, so you can just save yourself a lot of trouble, but this applies to everyone in our lives, friends, family members, and this even applies to people that have been together for years, decades even, because this is basic stuff. We open the show by talking about boundaries. How are you with them? How are they with them? We have two boundaries. One protects others from us. One protects us from other people. We have to be aware of how we're impacting others. If you're in a bad mood, a cranky mood, you're not up for something, stay home, stay quiet. If you are ruining people's time or someone's night, Take, take a break. That is how you protect others from you. We were just talking about how people engage others around you. That's a sign of how their ethics, their value, their mental health, but also how they might treat you at some point. Um, how they talk about exes. Um, oh, phone use was a big one. You know, are they always putting their phone before you? Are they focused on you all at all? Are they always talking about themselves? Um, this one was really interesting. So when I'm working with people that, um, are new to relationships or are newly sober, I'll talk a lot about trust and, and privacy and boundaries. And, and I've said this on the show before that no matter who it is we're talking about, we have a right to have boundaries and privacy. We have a right to keep some things just to ourselves because maybe the other person um, isn't healthy enough to be told certain stuff. Maybe the other person hasn't earned our trust to be told certain stuff. On the first couple of dates, we don't have to tell someone about our addiction history or mental health history or whatever it is. Nope, we don't. People have to earn the right to that. I don't agree that on a first date we have to disclose everything. I don't agree they have to put it all in your bio. We're talking about relationships. We're not shopping for shoes where you have to put all the attributes or qualities of it online. This is human relationships, and you have to earn the right to information. 
Okay. We don't have to disclose on the first date, whether or not we've been divorced or married, whether or not we have kids. No, you don't owe anyone anything on a first date, but to just meet, see if the chemistry is there, see if you're interested in spending more time with them. But people have to earn the right into deeper, more private, personal material and healthy people will honor that. I don't agree that we should just anxiously vomit everything out right away to just get acceptance. And I appreciate that there's certain parts of us that we might have anxiety about that other people might have rejected us for. But if the person doesn't know us, they're of course not willing to stick around through that. If I'm on a first date with someone and they're telling me I have a legal history, I have a lot of debt, I have an addiction history. Why would I want to see them again? I don't even know this person. There's nothing to make me wanting to maybe work through that. But if I've gotten to know who they are now, then maybe I'm willing to deal with some of this peripheral stuff that's a little more complicated. But more importantly, you don't want to go around boundaryless, just sharing, triggering private parts of you with God knows whoever and having the whole world running around with this important knowledge about who you are. That's a red flag in and of itself. People that overshare and have no boundaries and just divulge, that's a red flag. And so is the opposite. People that push for you to disclose information that they haven't earned the right to, that you do, who you don't know. Whether it's online, on a date, you have a right to say, you know what, I'm not comfortable answering that. And then there's always a person that's like, okay, but that's an answer by saying you're not gonna answer it. It doesn't matter. You're still practicing saying no and setting a boundary. And more important is how the person responds to that, not whether or not you secretly answered it by saying I don't wanna talk about it. If, I, if someone says to me something like, oh, you, know, you don't drink, Dr. Chris, are you an alcoholic? And I say, you know, I'm not really comfortable talking about why I don't drink. And they're like, oh, well, I guess you just answered that. I just learned a lot about them, actually, <laughs> in their response. And that's a turnoff. And I'd say, you know what? I don't really know that this is what I'm looking for. Because a healthy person would say, of course, we can talk about that another time if you're comfortable. Bam, that's someone I want to go on another date with. They're respectful and they honor a boundary. It's not about whether or not I then gave them an insight without wanting to about the topic. It's more, can they honor what I just said and did? So again, it's less about the content and it's more often just about the behavior and the process. Um, that's a big one. Another interesting one, and I thought this was, I'm not that familiar with this word. Have you heard the word negging, N-E-G-G-I-N-G? -G -G? It's basically when you give a backhanded compliment. <laughs> that was fascinating to me. Uh, it's basically when someone says something and you're like, wait a minute. On one hand, that sounds nice, but on the other hand, that kind of hurt. That kind of felt really bad. Um, some examples, I love this, I love examples. You look good for your age. How am I supposed to look? Why does that even matter? What an odd thing to point out and say. Um, something like, I love this as well. You're cute, but you'd be so much hotter if you let your hair grow out. So you're basically saying I'm not enough as I am. And you're also telling me that my job is to be attractive to you. I'm not trying to be attractive to you. I'm just trying to be myself. And if you find me attractive, cool. And if you don't, that's cool too. But I have friends that have been told they'd be hotter if they did steroids. They'd be hotter if they grew their beard in. My, our job isn't to be hot to people. Our job is to be ourselves. And if you're interested, cool. And if not, peace. But it is inappropriate and it is rude to tell someone what they need to do to be attractive to you like that. That is not what healthy people do. No one needs to lose weight for you. No one needs to cut their hair for you. No one needs to grow a beard for you. When you're dating someone, your job is to say, is this person as they are someone I'm interested or not? And if not, bounce, keep your mouth closed. But it's not appropriate to tell them what they need to do for you to like them or to be attracted to them. That's not their job. It's not our job to be attractive to people. Our job is just, as I said, to be ourselves and to find the people that are interested in that, period. I said people tell me that about my tattoos. Why would someone as attractive as you do something so ugly to their body? And I was like, you know what? Thank you for letting me know who you are. You're rude. You have no boundaries. You're disrespectful. You don't know how to flirt. And my job isn't to be attractive to you. I did that for me. <laughs> and so thank you for saving me a lot of trouble. Peace.
you know? But a lot of people think that that's okay. A lot of people do that to their partners after many years. Your job is to notice that your partner's in your care and to be good for them. It's not their job to do what they need to do to make you happy. Part of being in a relationship with someone is always accepting some things that maybe aren't ideally what you want. But that's part of it because we can't find or expect perfect. And that's what keeps some people chronically single or in detrimental relationships. Um, that's a huge deal. How someone talks about you or other people, we want to pay attention to that, especially how they talk about or to other people directly. They're letting us know what their ethics are. They're letting us know their characterological style. Note that, hear that, make meaning out of that. Yes, someone might be having a bad day. That's why I'm a fan of seeing someone, if it's appropriate, a couple times, unless some things are complete deal breakers. And we've talked on the show about red flags versus deal breakers. Most things are red flags, which means we need a little more experience and time to see if it's consistent and then maybe becomes a deal breaker. But most things that they happen once aren't deal breakers. We wanna give people a chance to maybe have had a bad day, they're off a little bit, they're nervous, happens. All right, stick around y'all. We're gonna come back and keep talking about this. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And uh, entry point of tonight's show is uh, we're talking about the topic of red flags on a first date, so it's to save you some time. But again, it's really broad things that can be applied to anyone, friends, family members, longer term relationships. It's kind of just a conversation about how to be a good person. So I was saying um, that pay attention to how someone talks about others, pay attention to how someone treats others around you or has in the past, because that's what they're going to be doing to you. Um, you're probably not going to be a special case. That's why I'm a big fan of finding out how their past relationships ended. If they're friends with their exes, seeing how they treat service workers, how they deal with a frustrating day. Do they lash out at everyone around them? They're probably going to be doing that too at some point. Cause again, we're talking about first dates, although this applies to everything. Um, for the break, we're talking about those backhanded compliments, how some people think it's okay to tell someone what they could do differently to be more attractive to you. That's a problematic boundary or perspective. And I'm just reminding everyone, it's not your job to be attractive to people. It's your job to be yourself and to find people who value who you are. Healthy people would rather you be an authentic you versus you just trying to be liked. And remember dating as, as, as dating is the same as later relationship, which is it's not our job to be liked and we're not trying to be liked. We're just trying to find people that fit. Um, and, but we only, we only can find that fit by being, making ourselves known. Um, so the next one's interesting. You know, again, these are early red flags. Um, talking about sex, I, I agree and I disagree. I think that for healthy, mature adults, it's okay to let sexuality as a topic come up, especially for some people that have maybe diverse or creative interests and they want to just really see, is this person sex positive? Are they comfortable with sexuality? But there's also a toxic way that that can be utilized where essentially you're forcing eroticism on someone who isn't interest, interested in getting erotic with you and asking some sexual questions are some covert backdoor ways that some people try to start to sexualize you. And you can check in and ask yourself, do I feel like I'm being forced into sex right now via this discussion? Because sex isn't always physical. It can be that psychological experience of eroticization being brought in it, being brought in by them saying and asking certain things. But then there's also a healthy adult, adult version. I work with a lot of clients that came out of sexually traumatic, toxic, um, or sex negative relationships, and they want to make sure that this next person has a healthy relationship with their sexuality. And so they do want to talk about sex. And there's a very appropriate, healthy way that that can take place. It really is best determined by what the intention is, how they honor whether or not you say I'm comfortable or not comfortable with that, and also checking in with your body. Do I feel safe? 
you know, what, what is this really about? So that one is a little more subjective. I don't see that one to be black and white. I am sex positive. I don't think sex is inappropriate to talk about when done in the right way, in the right context with the right people. And I do want to be with people that have a healthy, mature relationship with sexuality. And so I do bring it up and I do want to talk about it. But again, I'm healthy enough to see how the other person is with it and if they're comfortable or not and what that might be about. So you, it's, it's very nuanced. It's just not as simple and black and white. Um, another one is whether or not they disregard your comfort. And that kind of goes back to, um, an earlier discussion about boundaries. You know, remember courtship is about making someone feel good. Courtship is about seeing if someone can fit into your life. And that's the same thing with friendship though. And family relationships as well. We don't need to be a part of relationships that aren't good for us or that don't feel good. Another one is what we call um, love bombing. And there, there's a lot of different types of people that will use this, but one of them, but what it really means is basically someone is flooding you with romance that isn't earned or appropriate for the context or how well you know them or how you relate to them. And what that means is early on someone telling you they love you and saying all these things. It's like, you don't, you don't know me yet though. And as, as much as I want that to be complimentary, it's a projection. It's an idealization. It's a fantasy. And healthy people are aware of that and healthy people will acknowledge that maybe they feel strongly, but they don't necessarily act that out or put that into words. So that can be a really hard one and that can be a big red flag. Um, we all wanna feel cared for, we all wanna feel attractive, but when there hasn't been any foundation built yet and they're already treating you as though they're in love with you or they're the love of your life and all of that, that's a false sense of security. And I always point out that people that rush in anxiously also rush out anxiously. It's the same behavior, it's the shadow side. So if someone is like, I love you, I wanna see you all the time, that's an anxiety. That's not grounded, and we can't then ex we can't then be shocked if they anxiously rush out as well, because the people that idealize will also devalue just as quickly. The people that rush in will all equally rush out. We want to look for people that are more anchored and a little more steady. If they move in slow, they'll move out slow, and that's good. If they're thoughtful about moving into your life, they'll be thoughtful about exiting your life, and that's what we want to look for. So speed and pace are important. It's okay if you're very excited about someone. I'm not saying you have to necessarily quote unquote move slow, but there is a pace at which feels uncomfortably fast and not necessarily about you. And that's the anxiety that I'm talking about. And we want to be with someone that's slower and more steady. And again, that applies even to friendships. People that are erratic are erratic. People that are anxious are anxious. And so maybe we're talking about you and maybe you need to kind of slow that down. There's, it's okay to have some speed bumps. I do work with some patients and we set dating plans, how often they're gonna reach out, how often they're gonna see them as a way to kind of slow themselves down and have a working structure that they're playing off of because left to their own devices, maybe they're a little boundaryless or a little impulsive. This is where our mental health is demonstrated. Um, and it's okay to use whatever tools and tactics you need to kind of be the person you wanna be. All right, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want to hit, circle back. Past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Otherwise, y'all, stick around. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I listened to your show a few weeks ago about long-distance relationships. I have a follow-up question. I like this. Because uh, that work, and that's why I love this. Like, I'll use a topic as an entry point, long-distance relationships. But it really then becomes about how to use technology to stay close and connected to the people we care about. And it always kind of rolls out from the original entry point topic. Back to your question, you said, when deciding to actually make the move, how can you comfort your partner if they are the one moving to you? My partner lives 2,000 miles away, but doesn't want to come here and feel alone. I'm not sure I can really prevent that feeling, but I'll try my best to make her feel welcome with my friends. Uh, Yeah, I mean, again, the most you can do is be present and available and accessible. Your partner will feel alone because your partner won't be familiar with the surroundings, won't be familiar with resources, won't necessarily have social relationships intact. And I don't want your partner relying completely upon you. It isn't your job to give your partner a life and maybe have that conversation. Hey, babe, I love you. I'm so thankful you're willing to move here. I want to be accessible. I want to be available. I want to be a primary part of your life. I want you to spend time with some of my friends, but you're going to have to also build friends on your own that I'm not a part of. You're going to have to also find some hobbies that I don't participate in. You're going to have to build a life of your own as well. You, you don't want to be dependent on me completely or you will get resentful. And God forbid, if for some reason this relationship doesn't work, you have to be anchored in a life of your own. So it's both. 
And your partner has to be open and willing to do that. You have to be open to them taking a day away from you to go off into the world and experience some things on their own. That's gonna have to be mandatory. Otherwise, they will start to see you as maybe over-functioning for them or get a little resentful that their whole life is centered around you and it can lead to some unnecessary anxieties and stresses because if you have a fight or things aren't going well, they start to panic because you are the center point of everything. Um, so have that conversation clearly so that your partner can start to do that work and then support it. Support them taking a day or so to themselves. Support them going off into the world without you at times. Um, we got time for another one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, what are some do's and don'ts in meeting your partner's family for the first time over the holiday? I love this one. Um, it's really about just meeting them for the first time. I would go in there expecting it to feel a little awkward, a little uncomfortable. I would expect you to maybe not enjoy time with everyone, but I would still make yourself very available. I usually say, let your partner be a, like a, um, a safe haven and a secure base, meaning at times you might go stand with them and buy them when you're feeling a little anxious or on your own. But with that confidence that they're accessible to you and they're available if needed, also go off on your own and have some one-on-one -on -one private conversations with some of your partner's family members. That's usually a really good move and reads well and feels good to them. And it's a sign that you really do wanna form your own relationship with them and get to know them. So again, what I'm saying is don't just follow your partner around catch them, catch them with your eye to remind yourself that they're there. And like I said, if there's moments of anxiety, go find them and stand with them. But otherwise try to move around and have your own one-on-one -on -one conversations with people in the room because you essentially want to develop your own relationship to these people. That's always what we're trying to do. Um, you don't want your relationship to be triangulated where it's always through your partner. And uh, most likely these family members are really curious and interested in getting to know who you are, who's this person that you know our loved one is building a relationship with. So kind of honor that and value that and seek that. Um, while also giving yourself a break, because I don't know, you know how well you do with uh, social anxiety and new, new relational dynamics, but for some people it's, it's a lot because you're meeting a lot of different people all at the same time. And that can be a little overwhelming and, and flustering. I know I struggle with that. Um, that's a hard one for me. So I try to, I try to meet people one-on-one -on -one first. I'm not a fan of being dropped into a group dynamic where I don't know a group. I usually pass on that. And I usually say things like, hey, to meet everyone at the same time, this holiday is a, a lot for me. So let me skip that. And then between now and the next holiday, let me just go for dinner alone with your parents. Then maybe I'll go meet you know, your brother and sister. And I like to build in slowly if possible. Sometimes it's not because you live distant and they're all in this other city and this is your one big shot. Yikes. But may remind yourself it's not the big shot, right? You know, it's a little flexible and you can see them again. But if you can build your way in slowly, I personally tend to find that more preferable. All right, y'all, that is our show. If you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want to hit, circle back, drop deeper into. We'll always want to hear from you. And past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff. Otherwise, y'all, be kind to yourself. Be kind to those around you. Drop the bar. We're all having a hard enough time as it is. Um, as always, thanks for letting me uh, hang out with y'all. Have a good rest of your night. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 